Paul, did you enjoy Chelsea? I mean, what's not to love, eh? Um, having been to uh, West London the other day and seen United come away with three points, it's a very specific bit of West London that we haven't done too well in, isn't it? Um, in the last, uh, in the yes, last the bit however is, many uh, years. Actually in Fulham rather than the bit that's basically in Putney. <laughs> um at the my one of my favorite things about the Manchester United victory over Chelsea apart from all the many good things about it which we'll come on to was the banner which read Manchester famous for football not a flower show which I, I thought was a nice touch I thought it was a, a glorious piece of petty referencing the Chelsea flower show yes really and those 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 not from England perhaps not so aware that uh, there is a a nationally renowned flower show that takes place in Chelsea every year it does. I've never been, have you? I've seen it on telly. It's not that dynamic, is it, really? No. Flower shows. I mean, there's, listen, fair play to the lads. They don't half put on a flower show. Do you know what I'm saying? There's, there's some... Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but could they do it on a cold, wet night? In <laughs> I think literally but... not, because all the lovely displays would get blown away. Should we talk about football? Uh, yeah, if we must. No, but actually, I don't know why I said if we must, because for the first time in... Uh, I don't know, five years? I can't really think of much I'd rather be talking about than Manchester United. Yeah, I mean, another great victory. Uh, it, one from the uh, the Ole school of winning in London, I think, wasn't it? You know, it soaked up uh, a fair amount of pressure. Chelsea had a, quite a lot of possession. Uh, didn't do anything with it, really. No. I mean, Serge, Flappy Serge didn't have a save to make. Basically, didn't he make uh, like United a United scored a couple of great goals? Didn't he make a double save at one point? Floppy surge, two that straight might be in a row. The two shots on target that Chelsea got in the entire game. <laughs> yeah, um, not so floppy surge. Rock at the back, Sergio Romero. Yeah, um, I, there's a great stat going around about just how many clean sheets he's got in his 42 games as a Manchester United keeper. It's the highest amongst any Manchester United keeper ever. One of the things that's interesting is for a long time you could kind of put that stat down to quality of opposition because he plays in the lesser games, but not really been true in the last few seasons. It's not so much he plays in the lesser games, he just plays whoever we draw in the cup. So it's been Arsenal and Chelsea in the last two games. Did we keep a clean sheet at Arsenal? I can't remember. No. It was no, too hard, Lacazette scored. Yeah, that's right. Did Lacazette score? I feel like Lacazette scored. Anyway, yeah. it all, all blends into one. But what doesn't blend into one? So what do you... I mean... Chelsea fans very dispirited with Sarri. Sarri, the Sarri experiment clearly not working at the moment. Yeah. Whether whether you need to double down on that or end it now is a debate for another time. But I, I also thought that United um, genuinely were extremely effective at stopping Chelsea from playing. Very, very. I mean, it, it's amazing. Uh, we we love to delve into the data, don't we? But uh, this one does tell the story of the game. Chelsea played an awful lot of balls, an awful lot of pointless balls sidewards in front of a very effective and organised Manchester United defence. And and this wasn't parking the bus. It was it was just extremely effective. And, and uh, obviously Smalling at the back had an outstanding game and Herrera in midfield too were, were two key people in, in terms of United's defending, but just so brilliantly organised. I mean, every time we see United do this, it's just a... One more reason for Ollie to be given the job, or maybe one more, you know, reason that makes it difficult for 
United's hierarchy to not give him the job. I mean, it was just deeply impressive. I mean, Chelsea 614 passes to United's 294. And and if you just looked at that data, you'd go, okay, well, you know, all the nerds would tell you that Chelsea are going to win that one nine times out of ten. But they didn't create anything. And hardly a decent chance at all. United were just so effective and always dangerous in the transition uh, and on the breaks. Um, and when it actually came to the important bit about, you know, number of chances created, number of, cha- uh, number of key passes in, in dangerous areas, it's United that's on top there, just much more effective at doing what we were doing. So I just thought it was a, pro- probably the best performance under Oli so far. And I, I know Chelsea have had a difficult time of late, uh, but this was not a Chelsea side that played badly. They just could not do anything to break United down. And, you know, Ashley Young had a very good game uh, in controlling Hazard. Uh, Shaw had a very, very good game going forward and being a threat down the left. Pogba and Herrera outstanding um, in the middle of the park and, and always dangerous up front too. So uh, formation-wise, I've heard it widely described as a diamond, um, which is kind of very yeah. interesting. And I think that's absolutely a fair description because Mata played very centrally. One of the reasons we know this is because the commentator on BBC television, um, not the co-commentator, Martin Cairn, but the actual commentator said, Jorginho won't be able to do have the time on the ball he normally has with Mata buzzing around in that area. And I was very confused. I was confused by that yeah. um, reading. It the actually wasn't. It wasn't matter who was doing the job on Jorginho. It was more Herrera. I mean, he really pushed into much further forward areas than one might expect. And and Ollie called that out after the game as well. But yeah, it was a really effective formation. And, and of course, we talked about this before. If you're going to play that formation, and and it was it was exactly the same formation when Pereira and, and Sanchez came on. You, you really have to have effective fullbacks. And, you know, I thought they both had a very good game against Chelsea. I mean, especially Shaw. And we've, we've talked a lot about, you know, whether he's the right man for United. We get that performance every time. He definitely is the right man. It's just we need that performance every time. Was it it was game? just extremely effective in nullifying uh, Chelsea's strengths. And, and you know, when when you look at that and you just you see what a massive weakness Jorginho is, if everything has to go through him and it's just so easy to stop him, it's just, I mean, Sarri Ball is going to break down every time, you know. And I, I think some of the some of the uh, sort of observations of Sarri before he took over and about what would happen, how long it takes him to produce a side that plays really good football, and, and his Napoli side certainly did play very good football, um, have come to pass, you know. Are Chelsea going to be patient enough to, to let this bloom or not? Because right now that looks like the worst kind of Van Gaal ball, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, well... I... In a way, it, like it mostly does look like the worst kind of Van Gaal ball, but this was actually quite sort of determined and uh, I want to say almost aggressive. Like the passing was snappy and quick and there was a good deal of movement and United just sort of frustrated them over and over again because one of the things that I would say seems to be happening at Chelsea is that the players are disconnected from the project um, and we know what happens when that happens. But this this felt like a game that Chelsea players really, really, really wanted to win. Um, and United kind of stopped them doing that, which was was fantastic. And we should talk a bit about um, some of the specifics of United's play. You know, you meant, you said it's not par- parking a bus. If it was um, parking anything, it was like parking a Ferrari, but with the key in the engine ready to go at any moment. Because we were, we were obviously like really disciplined and well-organised at the back, but... 
as soon as there was a counter-attacking option, there was just people flying forward. And in the second half, Marcus Rashford just terrorising them. I mean, nothing actually came of any of it, but it was not that far away from something coming of it every time, basically. Mm. Let's talk about the goals. Oh, let's. So so the first one, uh, very effectively played through midfield. Uh, Matter, I guess the the key man there, dropping a bit deeper than number 10 to to switch it through to the the left-hand side. And... And Pogba's ball, just, just world-class. I mean, Herrera's steaming forward, got his hand up. Pogba knows exactly what he's going to do. And and there, there we've got Herrera bombing forward with the third-man run to, to nod it in at the back post. It was just brilliant. You know, it's just like this football working as it's meant to work, you know? Uh, Pogba's execution was... I mean, Pog, Pog, listen... Right, Paul Pogba was absolutely magnificent in this game. Goal and assist, man of the match. I mean, there were there were other there were actually other contenders for man of the match, but ultimately, obviously, you're giving it to Pogba. He was just brilliant, and the, the I thought Mata was excellent, and and like you say, he was crucially involved in the build up to that. Once it comes to Pogba, and he sees Herrera make that run. First of all, it's just beautiful to see Herrera making that run again. You know, playing in a position where he can make that run, and to just find him with such. It was such an elegant ball and it was beautiful. It was a brilliant goal, but probably not as good as the second. No, I mean, um, Rashford's cross there, found space, didn't need much of it. Just drilled across, across, cross, across, drilled it across. uh, And and Pogba just Brian Robson-esque to to head it in. Isn't that a beautiful sentence to say? Pogba, Brian (laughs) Robson-esque. I'm not yeah. sure. No, I just thought, like, two beautiful goals. Uh, we've talked about United's sort of balance in terms of, of defence and attack and running it, you know, playing out the game plan. It's just also really balanced in terms of how they were prepared to play. Because when they needed to turn Chelsea, they, they played pretty direct, you know, into the channels and, and Rashford was really important yeah. in that respect. You know, they, they played a significant, again, really nerdy, double the amount of long balls, long passes that they did against PSG. Just very deliberate to keep Chelsea turned all the time. Yeah, and um, it's it's not hit and hope, is it? It's no, no, no. smart balls into the channel. I mean, um, it's worth saying this is also all happening with, let's generously say, ten and a half men. Because Romelu Lukaku is absolutely shot to pieces at the moment. And unless I'm misremembering or I was looking at my phone at some point when it happened, he once again, hardly did anything good in the game bar occupy the right positions. Um, he was kind of like, you know, he's obviously in a in a, in a a bad moment, as they say. Um, he was kind of flapping his arms a lot when he wasn't getting passes passed to him and stuff. And you're thinking, honestly, if you're a United player, you're going to be looking around for almost any other option at the moment, which is, which is sad to see because... Uh, I saw somewhere on social media there was a, a goal shared from, maybe it was a game against Stoke or something. It was just a goal where Romelu Lukaku had the ball in the box and he kind of flicked it out of his feet and slotted it right in the bit of the goal where the goalkeeper couldn't possibly get to it, like the kind of elegant and clinical striker he can be. Um, yeah, so anyway. So, yeah, I, I mean, just a, just another great all-round performance and, and yeah. uh, the draw has given us Wolves away, another away tie, which is kind of disappointing, isn't it? But I, I guess uh, it'll be a, a fun Saturday night, I, I believe mean, it is, Saturday it's only, 16th. I'd say it's more disappointing that it's Wolves than it's away because I think, you know, 
the atmosphere at Chelsea is, I mean, I know it's like the most cliched thing in the world for United fans to talk about how incredible United's away support is, but there is absolutely nothing like a United away end with an FA Cup allocation. You know, it's just, it's just incredible and it makes a noise. I mean, there's, I said this to a number of people after the game, but there's nothing more annoying in football than your team losing and you go home with a specific opposition fans chant stuck in your head. And yeah. every single Chelsea fan in that ground has got waterfall stuck in their head for the next week after that game. Must be sickening. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, talking of uh, Wolves away, just just on the off chance, <laughs> this worked last time, paul at unitedrand.co.uk. <laughs> We're looking for two, one each, one each for the hosts of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I, um, I, uh, you know, I, as you, as listeners will know, I travel a fair bit and uh, have a lot of sort of commitment, so um, don't actually get to a lot of away games. I've been to one for quite a while, uh, so but this one I think is one that everyone will want to go to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I apologise for trying to, you know, blag tickets on the podcast, but you know, we're prepared to pay face value for them. Don't worry. Um, it felt it feels like it feels like uh, we've got the platform. It would be uh, irresponsible not to use it for this purpose <laughs> at this point. <laughs> oh, while we're on uh, cup competitions, uh, a note for the women's team who beat uh, London Bees again, third time they've beaten them this season. Only three nil though. And Casey Stoney was pretty disappointed afterwards. With uh, she blamed the speed of their passing and said it wasn't a great performance. Uh, so the uh, aggregate score against London Bees in those three games, 16-0. It's not bad, is it? Um, it uh, we, we said this on the backers bit of the show last week, but we didn't say it on the main show. We didn't mention the the really battling, like um, impressive and kind of brave performance in the Conti Cup, the Continental Cup. Uh, is it Continental? I think it's Continental yeah. Cup um, semi-final against Arsenal, where United women lost 2-1, but um, Arsenal women are like... You know, they've been at the top of the game for a generation, really. So it's a, it's a pretty impressive result. And, and it was certainly an impressive performance. That's right. As we speak, they are 4-0 up against Sheffield United in the uh, the uh, championship. This would take them to within two points, I suppose, of the game in hand. Yeah. So um, if we go through the, the... To go back to the men's team, if we go through the, the team against Chelsea... The main team. I said the men's team. I didn't oh. say the main team. Um, Outrageous. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that. Um, if we go back to the men's team, um, if we go through the whole team uh, and their performances against Chelsea, apart from Lukaku, I don't think anyone had a bad game. And the centre-backs, most of the work they had to do was about discipline rather than kind of like fancy centre-backery. Um, was it in that game that Luke Shaw put in that amazing tackle in the box? Might have even been against Yes, it, no, was. it was, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Nearly injured himself and and Serge at the same time. Yeah. Um I thought Matic was super effective in this game. Um kind of a good, yeah. a good the game. The game was for him, compressed really. on the United side, which I do think helped him. Yeah. God, exactly. God, that doesn't half sound like an agenda point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna argue against him being no, he was effective, but but he wasn't stretched at all. And I think that really does help him. No, of course, yeah, there's a reason he was effective and he isn't normally, um, but he was. And it kind of shows what he can do and that there is there is a kind of utility to Matic. He's not some sort of clod-hopping, useless no-hoper. He just can't move. Um, then And then basically like everyone apart from Lukaku, I thought, did really well. Um, yeah. 
Alexis Sanchez coming on still, you know, didn't there was... create or do anything, but he ran around a lot and yeah. Uh, he got a he got a sort of Roy Keane moment from uh, Ander Herrera at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, <laughs> Oli Solskjaer put out that rather odd analogy. Put out, I mean, talked about uh, uh, Sanchez as a bottle of ketchup, and uh, uh, if some comes out, it'll all come out. I'm not sure that's true. I, 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 he's just being you know, really supportive his, of his player, and I think uh, if I, I had a bottle of ketchup that hadn't worked after what 13 or 14 months, I, I would definitely be chucking it away and getting another one. Yeah, yeah, that's good. You're writing your own. You're writing your jokes now, Ed. <laughs> I am. I, well, I already did material. do that one. So, yeah. <laughs> but you know, the different media, so I'm, I'm allowed to mix and match. Perfectly reasonable. Uh, it's like ketchup and mayonnaise. You can sometimes mix and mix and match. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we have to say. Whether it's a reason for Solskjaer to get the job or not, it's certainly yet another thing crossed off the list of reasons why he shouldn't get the job. I mean, I don't know how anyone could be... uh, This is the greatest job interview of all time. This is better than Roberto Di Matteo's job interview at Chelsea because they spawned the Champions League. And so it's like historically significant, but they were rubbish almost all the way through that campaign, you know, um, and uh, and they weren't very good in the league that whole time. United have just been either excellent or functional or very occasionally below par the whole time since he got there. They faced a huge variety of different types of challenges and all but one of them they've risen to. It's incredibly impressive. He's been, his man management has been absolutely perfect. His tactical flexibility has been really on display. I think there's a few rough edges around the substitutions and some of the game in-game management, but if you're looking at the pros and cons of giving Oli Solskjaer the job, I mean, I, I think basically he's got the job now. That's what that's what I strongly suspect because it's the path of least resistance for United anyway, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it, it certainly is. I mean, it's it's thirty million pounds cheaper. Yeah. Well, just a just a signing on fees basically, and yeah. and uh, Poch's wages would be uh, more than double as well. So, um, I'm, I'm trying to think how I, I put this. I still think Poch is the proven outstanding manager. If if either the Real Madrid or Barcelona came jobs came up tomorrow, he would be top of their list. And they're a very elite club in Europe uh, because of what he's done with that Spurs team and his ability to work with outstanding players and shape players who we didn't know were, were outstanding and work with young players. It's the whole full package. Yeah. But dot, 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 you're right, Oli has, has produced a superb job interview it is only 14 games but it's you know it, we've we've seen managers destroyed in 14 games yeah like what, what what's the number where it's not only anymore yeah well i don't know i mean i i think the the old trope about managers needing time in order to build a team and all of that suggests that the, you know the long haul in football management matters mm-hmm. we haven't seen a real bump i mean a lot of fans freaked out after psg but that's uh thought berbatov I uh, put this very well when he said people were talking a lot of mm. uh, after United got beaten by a team of superstars. So, yeah, that, that was about right. So um, I don't know what the length is to come back to your, your question there, but there's there's definite benefits. I mean, we've talked about some of the other benefits of Oli. At this point, 
it's it's super hard for the club to chuck away that whole backroom team as well, which is what they would do. Yeah. Not only the manager has turned things around in such amazingly impressive um, uh, terms and got the players playing for him, and Pogba talked about how happy they are after the Chelsea game. I mean, he he almost gave the game away, didn't he? He was asked, "Is will will uh, Oli be getting the job, and how would you feel about it?" And he, he had a you know cheese eating grin. Cheese-eating grin? Cheesy grin. <laughs> this is because he's French, in it, Ed? This is more of your anti-French agenda. It is. It is, yeah. He had a mad-eating grin <laughs> and um, uh, it almost gave the game away. But, but yeah, would you would you chuck that whole team away now? I mean, No, no. That's, it's such a... I mean, you'd have to be a seriously brave CEO and we know that Ed Woodward isn't a seriously brave CEO. I, I, at this point, I'm about 90% sure he'll get the job. It doesn't mean that I, I think that's definitely the right answer. See, I, I, there's a sort of like paradox to how I feel about this because I, I completely agree with you that it's not definitely the right answer, but it is definitely right to give him the job. Like, he's not definitely the right answer. It's not definitely going to work, but it's definitely right at this point to give him the job because it's not definitely going to work if Pochettino comes. It's probably going to work, and I would be pretty happy like the idea that it's either Solskjaer or Pochettino can sleep soundly at night knowing that United are going to be really interesting over the next few years one way or another. But uh, but the emotionality of it isn't irrelevant. The, the emotional connection with Oli Solskjaer is absolutely unbelievable. You know, to, to be emotionally connected to the United manager in the way that the whole, like every United fan is, you know, apart from the weirdos who... You know, I don't know what their deal is. But anyway, um, you know, every United fan is like deeply invested in Oli Solskjaer in general. And that there's a there is a non-negligible a non-negligible chance that it's the right thing to do to give him the job. You gotta try it. You got to at this point. It, it it's madness not to at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's uh, I'd say it's a tough decision and a great decision. We don't know that Poch is interested in coming to United, although his people have certainly made it sort of known that he is. And we can assume that it would be very hard to extract him from Spurs. I mean, it's £34 million to buy out his contract. That's a lot. And all the, and the contract of every one of his backroom staff on top of that. And, and yeah, some of those will be on big right. money. Add, an, add another £5 million on top, I guess. So pretty expensive, but United are, are floating around in cash and... and uh, once the Saudis come in and oh, no. and put their evil money into the club, there'll be even more, won't there? The the other thing is though that the in terms of the the path of least resistance, it's not just money; it's also admin. Like the Solskjaer deal's done, they just pay him. They just write Mulder the check, and he got the and he's got the job. That's that's the only nego. There's no negotiation. Negotiation's all done. It's it was done in advance, which you know. So they just have to pull the trigger, which is an awful lot easier than ringing up Daniel Levy and being like, "Right then, what's the, what's the number that we start with?" and you know all of that kind of stuff. That's right. Um, what we don't know about Solskjaer, of course, is the really interesting bit about could he construct a team that challenges for a title? That's a very different proposition oh, than really? can we get good players and turn them around from a terrible season. Uh, but but it would be fascinating to watch it. And we don't know what he's like in terms of his assessment of players and a squad and squad building and and uh, what's needed in terms of uh, transfers and exactly how he'd fit in with the new director of football when 
he arrives. We which, don't know uh, any of that. Apparently, about... could be another year on from here. We don't know any of that about Pochettino either, no, we really. Don't. And 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 we do know about Solskjaer that he has brought together a squad that was successful at the level it was meant to be successful at, and then rebuilt it again. So you know he's he's put together a couple of Mulder squads now, and they've both overachieved. I need to, I, I keep saying this, and I don't know what the operating budgets are like, but in terms certainly in terms of the size and expectation of the club, they've overachieved. And given how, and also the other thing that I think is worth saying is, it's not just that he's getting the best out of the good players because he isn't just getting the best out of your Martials, your Pogba's, and your Rashford's. He's getting the best out of almost everyone in the squad. I mean, I'd say with the exception of, you know, everyone that's been involved has been playing at the best of themselves. Now, partly that's just a feel-good factor, but again, like it's it, it speaks to a sort of pretty broad range of skills. Um. And I'm definitely hugely biased here. And part of it is confirmation bias as well, because I've thought this for five years. All right. Well, it's going to be fascinating and there's there's going to be plenty of big games to come, uh, certainly in the FA Cup, one more in the Champions League. We'd like more, of course, and, and plenty in the Premier League as United chase fourth, which is desperately sad, but uh, the state we're in at the moment. Of course, Chelsea may be rapidly discounting themselves from that uh, that equation and Arsenal, Arsenal. So anyway, as we speak, Schalke won, Manchester City won. <laughs> Wolves is Schalke a tough... mid-table in the Bundesliga at the moment. Wolves is a tough draw, isn't it? Like uh, apart from the the fact that it's away, which I meant to say earlier, it's just straight up the second best team after City that was left in the draw, apart from us, and we've got them away. It's better than City away, but it's the next worst possible draw out of all sure. of them. City away is the one that all the cynics amongst United support, which is about 99% of us, <laughs> expected, of course. Well, Arsenal away, Chelsea away, City away would be a kind of perfect run, wasn't, wouldn't it? But the, the, the Darren Fletcher managed to avoid that via the medium of uh, deliberately picking the ball for United. No, that's, that, none of that happened. Shall, shall we talk about the upcoming game? Uh, should we do Twitter questions first, as per the traditions of our, our programme? It, there's a tradition. <laughs> there's a tradition of uh, us getting a ton of of uh, Twitter questions. It's these so days. nice. It's so nice that everybody. I mean, you say these days. It's been going on for a number of years that we've got a lot of Twitter questions every week, um, and it's so nice that people want to get involved. It doesn't go unnoticed, and it doesn't go unappreciated. So, massive thanks to everyone who listens. All right. Simon Arnold says, is there any way back for Lukaku at the club? I, I don't think so. I not not under Solskjaer. I, I don't it doesn't make it doesn't make sense. You'd be you it, it would be so much better off. I, it never made sense to sign him, really, given the players we had around. Um I remember talking about this at the time that that the big unease about this is the kind of place he takes up in the squad and how it's going to affect Martial and Rashford in particular, but now Greenwood too, um, who only wasn't involved in some sense against Chelsea because at least travel with the squad because he was injured. Mm. Um, so, yeah. I, it's I, a real I, tough one, isn't it? I mean, the investment United have made in him is significant, £75 million pounds yeah. and, and a really big fat contract. And I'm sure that there'll be some of the higher-ups at the club pretty reluctant to take a big financial hit on that and they might have to but, but like but, 
it it wouldn't be a it might not be a gigantic financial hit, might it? Because you could probably get thirty million from from somewhere, and then you just amortise the rest, right? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, but it's uh, it's still a huge investment, and United owe a lot of money on it still. Yeah. Uh, Tom Chadwick, in reply, says, "No, he <laughs> that's cheating. That's not a question. It's a statement. <laughs> just saying." Should Martial's girlfriend lamb to cheat if he continues this form? Says D Servon on Twitter. I would say that it is the official policy of the Rankast not to comment on the private lives of Manchester United players when it comes to rumour and innuendo and gossip. Yes, he should, is the answer, I think you mean. Liam Fretwell says, when does Herrera get the armband? Oh, he's, he's I mean, he's captain, isn't he, in all in all but name? Who's the actual captain at the moment? <laughs> Young isn't it? Is Antonio Ant- Valencia. He's the club captain, is Antonio Valencia. Yeah, Young gets the captaincy on the pitch. Um, I'd, I, I would. I think we should go into next season with Herrera captain, young vice captain. I think that makes. We've got to sign sense. Herrera up to a contract. Uh, we will. That's 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 going to happen. Yeah, I should hope so. Mike Davis says, should Sanchez get more game time to try and prove himself, or are we better look into the future? I mean, it's a different one than Lukaku, but it may sum to the same result. I think, which is, we haven't seen much of him in a year. Do we really expect that to change now? Oh, he should see a lot more game time in Shanghai. Yeah. It's, I mean, and he's just on such massive, massive wages. We talked about this last week. Yeah. I, yeah. The, the, my, my honest answer is, and, and, and again, this always, as it did with Rooney, always comes with the caveat of, I hope I'm wrong about this. My honest answer to this question is, I don't think more game time's helping now. I think it's, I think it's been over. Yeah, uh, I think it's probably true. And uh, how to uh, extricate him from the club is now the question, which is a pretty difficult one. Yeah, uh, there's a, there's a number of politics questions this week. Jack's oh, three no. six size five says when Ed votes for the new political movement, the independent group will pull turn on him. <laughs> yeah, I, yes, fully. <laughs> the podcast is over at that point. I think that's uh, unlikely. Although, um, hey, politics cast, as you know, Paul, I'm not a Corbynista. No, I know, and and I'm not a. I'm not a um I'm not a party line man in any sense of the word. I, I'm not I never have been and I definitely won't ever be. And I I do think it's interesting how Brexit is realigning British politics along lines of leave and remain and not left and right. Yeah. But and long how how long that will t- uh, last for. We'll see. And but there's there's big problems with that because there are enormous i mean brexit is the single biggest issue facing the country but there are enormous there are enormous i don't know never mind forget it politics blah blah politics in it along similar lines alec hudson says what percentage of the carlton Mourinho would vote for the independent group (laughs) none none because i'm sure they're all brexiters i'm just lumping them all in (laughs) sure (laughs) david hyman says hyman hickman what faith do you have that Oli will make shrewd moves in the market rather than letting Woodward do his fell Galacticos policy? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, does he have influence and standing at the club that he can push back on transfers now? I mean, there was a, there was one story that said that even if he doesn't get the job, he would get a say in planning uh, for United summer market, which may, would make a lot of sense, really, for some long-term planning. There's We still don't know exactly when this new director of football or technical director will come in. There was a very detailed story about United search and the fact they haven't exactly decided what the framework is for this this new man person 
to come in and what kind of role they'll do. So all the the talk of individuals and name names like Mochi and Edwin Van Zaar and uh, so on, none of that's accurate yet because they don't even know what the role is. So it's uh, it's an interesting one. Thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I my guess would be first of all, first of all. I do get frustrated. There's two things that really frustrate me about the way people talk about United in terms of the structure and the ownership. And one of them is that the Glazers don't want to spend money, which was 100% true and is now not 100% true. Now it's a bit more complicated than that because they've spent a ruddy fortune in the last... I don't mean they've spent money of their... Obviously, I'm not an idiot. I don't mean they've, they're great owners who've dipped into their pocket for the sake of the club. I just mean the control of the purse strings being like, the problem is the Glazers won't spend money. That's nonsense at this point. Um, and then the other thing is that Woodward is only interested in Galactico signings because if you look at all our signings in the last five... Like, since we signed Mauro and Fellaini, how many of those, what percentage of them have been Galacticos? Is it 20%, 25% maybe? Um, yeah, it depends how you define it. I mean, yeah, uh, so, Ibrahimovic, yeah, Pogba, Pogba, Lukaku, yeah, no, and no, Di no, Maria. No. Lukaku's, not, Lukaku's not a Galactico signing. But it's £75 million. Pounds. So what? That's just the price of doing business. We signed him from Everton. So it's, it, that's a big money signing. It's not a Galactico. Di Maria and Lukaku aren't on the same plane. Are they? Even Sanchez, they're not on the same plane of like f- reputation and Galactico-ness. Yeah, maybe Galactico is not the right term then. I mean, they're, they've certainly spent money on some shiny objects that uh, were apparently less shiny than they once were. Um, and uh, and and were not as well thought through, and maybe maybe this is this is a better framework to think about it. There's uh, when we think about United's transfer strategy, the only conclusion you can come to really is there isn't one, and the strongest that's ever been is when Woodward pushed back on Mourinho signing yet more aging players. It didn't mean that there was a unified philosophy of what they were going to do. But before that, the philosophy was try and get the manager the player he wants, the players he wants. That was uh, up until that summer. That's been the the philosophy, and it's not been particularly successful. But you know, like the behind the scenes stuff on on the first Moyes summer is that as much as Woodward messed up, so did Moyes, and he kind of dithered and you know messed around. Then you've got, I mean, you've got kind of Shaw and Herrera who were Moyes targets that Van Hal approved. He kind of said that himself because he said I like I like Jim. And then it turned out I liked him sometimes. Um, and then all the all the signings in the Van Hal era were Van Harley signings. Um, and then and then comes Mourinho, Pogba, Zlatan. The following summer, Matic, you know, Lukaku. The problem is that the managers change too frequently to make your transfer policy back the manager, but. I would say that that has been the unifying philosophy of the the problem's been there haven't been a unified philosophy of what kind of managerial appointments you make. Yep, yep. David Batazzi says, uh, you spoke about the lack of big European game experience on the last pod. You didn't talk about Ollie's lack of managerial experience at this level. How big a factor do you think this is? That's a great, that's a great point. That's a great, completely legitimate point. I don't know how yeah. big a factor it is, but I, I think... Given my uh, like complete one-eyed loyalty to Ollie Solskjaer, I should probably accept that that's a really solid point. 
Yeah, I mean, true. The one, true. The one and, that... and he can only get that experience by United uh, continuing to play in the competition. I, and yeah. The one, anyway, the one exception, I guess, is that Mike Phelan's around, and Mike Phelan obviously has has time. plenty. Yeah. United with Ollie says, "Would you rather beat the Scousers this Sunday or win three <laughs> 0 in Paris?" Oof. Win three 0 in Paris, absolutely. Oh, if the the answer is always, "What's the best thing for United?" That's sort of, my answer is always going to be that. Like, yeah, it is. I don't know. This is close. This one because really, this, this wow. Well, I mean, beating the Scousers and stopping their title bid. I mean, it wouldn't stop it. It'd just be a pretty big dent. That'd be that'd be pretty important. I mean, especially since they've I mean, they've gone three games without scoring a goal. You know, we then beat them. Uh, wheels may come off. So you'd anyway, rather... three 0 in Paris would be great. I, yeah. I'd like to see that. I want both. I want my cake and I want no, to no, eat it. No, no, but you can't, if you've got you've got to pick one. As no, the no, I don't. I, no, you know, you I'm, I'm siding with the Brexiters now. You I want my qu- cake and I'm going to eat it. <laughs> you pick the question. You've got to answer the question. Yeah, a draw at Anfield then and three uh, 0 in Paris. <laughs> that's not the question. That's that's not the. the pro- which would you rather? United win three 0 or we beat the Scousers? Would you rather? Mario Kill, Klopp, Mourinho, Pip. God damn it. Uh, yeah, I'm sitting on the fence. Uh, <laughs> what's Phil Jones' best position, says all Cubs are bastards. Uh, oh, on the bench. That's so nice to hear. It's lovely to think that people have been listening long enough that they remember when that was a question around every single week. A serious, know, yeah. genuine question that people used to ask all the time because they were interested in the answer to it. Jeff Timmons says, who's your preference as a potential United signing, Verratti or Kante? Kante for me. I mean, I have to say, I've very rarely been impressed with Verratti. I mean, clearly I'm not watching enough French football because everyone loves him. And he was actually pretty good against United. I love N'Golo Kante so much, I would stop to think for a third of a second if the question was, who would you rather that United signed Kante or Messi? Obviously, <laughs> after a third of a second, I would say Messi. But for that one third of a second, the prospect of picking someone over N'Golo Kante would be really difficult. Did you see the bit at the end with the big cuddle with Pogba? And N'Golo Kante's just been knocked out of the game and he's really sad. But still, seeing his lovely friend cheered him up a little bit and had a nice big cuddle. And I'm they almost did. 100% sure Paul Pogba pointed at the away fans and said, are you they sure you don't want to come and play for us? <laughs> That's right. Desi Faye says, do you want to take over talk? Is it legitimate? Well, of course, oh. did, did we talk about Saudi no, last week? No, not at all. We didn't. No, no, we, you... talk, we talked about it personally, didn't we? Um, I mean, I, I, personally, I'd find it hugely depressing if this happened. This is one of the most repulsive regimes on the planet for all sorts of reasons, which you can go and Google yourself. Uh, and uh, uh, masquerading as a, as a modern... Uh, modern society under MBS, or who's who's not actually even the king, is he's uh, like the crown prince, and it would be his fun. And then they put out a um, a statement to say this is wholly untrue. United were looking for a sponsorship deal, so don't know. Uh, although it's one that keeps getting floated, I would say the Glazers going would be wonderful, but I think that would be worse. I uh, think the frying pan into the fire. Yeah, I mean they're businessmen um i i as far as i know none of them have dismembered any journalists recently or waged wars i mean they they back trump and i i do think there is you know there is a tendency in western democracies to 
assume that the bad things in Western democracies aren't as bad as the bad things in um, theocracies or monarchies or dictatorships around the world. And I'm not sure it's always the case that that it's not worse because I'm there are many times when Western democracies do terrible things. Um, but the key thing for me about this is being owned by the Glazers is bad for United in terms of success on the pitch. Being owned by the Saudi royal family and all the money that would come with that would be, in inverted commas, good for United in terms of success on the pitch. It would just make us the thing that we've railed against for so long about yet another kind of soft power um, yeah. arm. And and I'd feel the same if you know the American government wanted to take over United for the sake of soft power. Pro- probably don't need it, to be fair. Stefan Lebrecht says, seeing as Paul didn't answer my question last week, let's try this again. Paul, three full-time managers since Fergie. Uh, Mario Kill, Moyes, Louis or Moo. And, and hold on a second, Adam Salmon comes to your rescue. We know his answers, thanks to Ed's prodding. Let him have a little dignity. <laughs> so what I would say is, can we do can we do Snog, Marry, Avoid rather than F, Marry, Kill so that I don't have to murder anyone or indeed shag anyone, <laughs> neither of which I want to do <laughs> in this scenario? Oh, I reckon Louis might be good in the sack. <laughs> I'm sure that's the no, There's no doubt about that. I mean, maybe a little process driven um, might get a bit repetitive. Um, oh, God. The, I'm not making the joke, I just thought. Um, but if we're playing Snog, Marry, Avoid, the answer would definitely be um, Avoid Moise, Marry Van Hal. Snog Mourinho. I think that, I think that's the right answer. <laughs> All right. Chris Etchingham, friend of the show, says, with the guy in the green and gold away kit on Monday night, what's your favourite kit from days gone by? <laughs> uh, just just Google Bleacher Report, Paul Ansorge, best Man United kits of all time. You'll find <laughs> you hundreds go. and hundreds of different listicles where I did variants of this. I think I did Very it for good. Scott as well at Republic of Mancania. I still have a soft spot for the Rumbelow's Cup, Adidas, blue and white. Yeah, mine's mine is actually the home kit of that that green and gold kit, the the Cantona collar. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Stri- uh, strings across. The, I have to what, say, Ed, the question. Oh no, favorite kit, not favorite away kit. Yeah, yeah. I have to yeah, say, yeah. Ed, strings, um, collar, turn the collar up. Yeah, nice. One of the reasons that I love that kit is um, is if you'll pr- allow me to get sentimental for a moment, is because I really profoundly associate it with you and um, our friendship as young people because uh, that, that's a kit that you wore all the time. Um, so, yeah, that's one of, one of the reasons I like that kit. All right, great. Couldn't get to all the questions as usual. I, I, I really mean, should ask this a, a few hours before we actually record and I can do some editing, but... Uh... Also, one of the reasons we couldn't get to all the questions is because there were lots of them, and the other lots. one is because most of them were just horrific questions about Anthony Martial's personal life. Yes, he should keep it in his pants. Oh. No, I'm not talking about who's fitter, his ex or his current one. <laughs> it's his personal business. And Tony, really, please, focus on the football. Maybe go celebrate for a while, you know, whatever. Let, let's talk about more football coming up. It's a big one. And Liverpool at Old Trafford... Chance to derail their title bid, put a big dent in it. Uh, United in great form. Liverpool in mm, not great form, or at least mediocre form. How do you see this one going? I mean, I just don't know. I just, I just absolutely no idea. So I watched about 
10 minutes because I thought well, I did a preview tomorrow. I should probably watch 10 minutes. I should probably watch Liverpool Bayern. I got 10 minutes in. I was like, I can't watch this. I, can't, I just can't bring myself to watch this game of football. Um, I mean, Liverpool have got some pretty serious injury problems, haven't they? Um, Van Dijk was suspended from the Bayern game, if I'm right. I don't believe he was injured. That's um, right. So he'll, he'll be around and he's obviously massively important to them. I guess I'm going to throw this question to you, Ed. What What do you think Liverpool are going to do in this game? I mean, they they play the same way every single game, so I think we can we understand what they're going to do. They're going to press high and fast. They're going to use their extremely quick players in wide areas. They're going to uh, play a fairly high line because they can do with Van Dijk. Now they'll try and control midfield. Wijnaldum will get forward to make those uh, third man runs. Um, and uh, they'll be relying on Salah to finish the chances they create. You know, they're they're a good side, unfortunately, and they have a very uh, solid pattern of play and a very 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 strong spine. Uh, that said, they do have some injuries. They in the last couple of weeks they've drawn with Leicester and West Ham. And obviously, the the Bayern result is not the one they wanted, although not a disaster, sadly so. Uh, so there's you know there's some up and down in their in their results at the moment they've they they've dropped a few points recently and and that brought some criticism haven't I dropped mean, that many that's idiotic isn't it it's this this nonsense bottler mentality i heard your um thing on the podcast with that lad from made in chelsea ed and um i, I completely that's just how i roll yeah i completely agree with the guy um from the Anfield rap who was saying that the kind of the amount of times people talk about bottlers and frauds about these elite athletes is just insanely disrespectful. And I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I, I think it's, I, I mean, you know, um, he obviously uh, said that very eloquently and I could say nothing, but yes, I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, they, they, that, that was a good conversation uh, we had about the uh, game and I found myself agreeing with him far too much, except for his sort of overconfidence about Liverpool winning this game. Cause they're such a, such a better team. Um, they also cut my piece about uh, Manchester City being a soft power project to make us forget about the awful human rights of the uh, Abu Dhabi Emirati regime. ESPN, Don't know why they did that. ESPN not not wanting to uh, pay the price for that. Let's say. Yeah, interesting. Uh, anyway, back back to uh, back to back to Liverpool. I mean, I think we know exactly how they play. Uh, be interesting with it being at Old Trafford because I think it was at Anfield. We'd set up in a very similar system to the way we have done in recent games at Chelsea, Arsenal and Tottenham. I mean, they haven't all been exactly the same, but I would expect United to play a diamond so we could get a lot of bodies in midfield uh, because Liverpool would be looking to keep the ball. Uh, I'd expect us to play in a mixed way, as in, you know, some short, some longer, because they do press very high and there's an opportunity to bypass that sometimes. Um, and especially getting in behind the fullbacks who do push very high up the pitch with Liverpool. So you could kind of see the pattern. With it being at Old Trafford, you can't expect that United to be on the front foot a bit more. And this is an interesting dilemma, isn't it, for Oli, exactly how United will set up as a result of those dynamics. Having a look at the injury lists on who scored, looks like Liverpool will be without Joe Gomez. Um, obviously, Oxlade-Chamberlain is um, long-term injured. And then Dejan Lovren is doubtful. So it looks like their injury problems are basically clearing up, apart from Gomez, who is first-choice partner for Van Dijk. And Joel Matip is definitely clearly got a mistake in him, but he's hardly a like rubbish mm. defender. Is Lovren is fit? I mean, uh, Lov- because he's a world-class defender, so he <laughs> says anyway. Lovren is a doubt for this one. Um, but I think it's... I'd like him to play. It's kind of one of those situations where... Um, 
as long as Van Dyke's fit, they're okay with basically whoever's alongside him. The nightmare for them is if Van Dyke's not there to run the show, they're in real trouble at the back. I, I mean, it's Martial and Lingard are currently listed as doubtful. It is such a shame that the two of them, if the two of them don't play this game, I mean, they're... They're trained today. Yeah, so. but, I mean, are they going to be really, really ready on Sunday to be thrown in when they were kind of originally ruled out beyond even featuring this? Yeah, it seems unlikely, and it, and it's a huge shame. And yeah. it, do, it does really impact how United play. I mean, I guess Lukaku's going to play, they'll play two at the front, and they will play the diamond because it, it's... Um, they're just... There's so much less if they have to move Rashford to the wing and, and play Alexis Sanchez. I wonder whether, I don't know, I wonder whether he shouldn't do something quite radically different because I don't know what playing Juan Mata at 10 gives you in this game in the way that it did against Chelsea where there was kind of space behind me. We saw for that first goal, Mata was just in the space between Jorginho and the centre-backs and the way Liverpool's midfield will set up, it won't be like that. They'll, they won't be, there won't probably be that much space in the gap between between midfield and, and central defence for Mata to take advantage of. So, I mean, I mm. don't know. I don't know who you play in, instead. I, I tell you what. I tell you what. I wish. I know this is crazy. I really wish Mason Greenwood was fit, and then we could play with Greenwood and Rashford up front. But I think that would be really interesting. I think, I think, yeah, maybe a step too far for his debut. <laughs> I mean, I mean, listen, it worked for Tony Marshall. Um, it, it did. Yeah, bench, I mean, look, de- definitely. Although they set up in a similar sort of shape to Chelsea, uh, Henderson, who'll probably be the sort of deepest lying of the Liverpool midfield, d- definitely isn't the pivot around uh, which the entire Liverpool team is built. No, um, I mean, the interesting thing about that midfield is they're not all in great form at the moment. I mean, Wijnaldum probably in the best form of the the three that I guess will start. You know, yeah. Nebi Keita is, is not in great form at all. Henderson's Henderson. Um, Wijnaldum uh, always, always becomes a more... I mean, he's a more attacking player than he was at Newcastle, for sure, and he's a dangerous player coming from deep, although he doesn't score a lot of goals. Um, so, you know, there's some interesting uh, choices for Oli to make there. For, there just not that many Fabinho's interesting gonna, choices. Fabinho's going to play, though, isn't he? Like, Fabinho's played every game recently, I, I believe. Um, yeah, but he's uh, covered in defence a bit. But I, I mean, he played he played at right back um, against Bayern because they haven't got any fit defenders. Yeah, but yeah. So, but if 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 Trent is back as they reckon he will be, um, oh, he played centre back. Sorry, against yeah, yeah, uh, exa- exactly. And that was because Van Dijk was suspended, um, which he's not in this game. So, all right. So Fabinho will move into midfield, and and I, I guess they drop Kaita. You know, I mean, Kaita's been in appalling, appalling form, hasn't he? I mean, he's just really struggling. He's got first season Klopp. I, I don't think it's too soon to write him off as a complete flop of a signing for sure forever. Um, but he's definitely having a rough first season. I don't know. I, I I look at the two teams on paper and I think given given how short we are of full, full strength and even if they're not in the best form, I, I do think that this game is going to bring a different level of performance out of them. Um out of Liverpool, I mean, and United are mm-hmm. going to have to, and and they're just they're just a very different proposition to Chelsea away from home. Us against them, like I'd love us to kind of impose our game on them, but I I do worry that when the cho- the choices are kind of Lukaku or Sanchez, 
I mean, you know what wouldn't be the worst idea in the world? Maybe play Sanchez up front. Um, I don't. I don't think that could be really worse than playing Lukaku. Up front, no, no, that's right. Honest. And actually, that maybe it's not a bad. Yeah, I, I wonder because Liverpool did change their shape against City, didn't they? They played with sort of two holding. Um, and played Shakiri and Firmino and Salah up front rather than off coming off the right where he's just probably more dangerous than playing up front on his own. And they might do that as a way. It'd be interesting to see how much they respect this United team and whether they do do that or whether they go with their normal formation. Mad to respect this United team as much as they respected City in terms of adjusting their game plan to our strengths. Because City are a completely different proposition, aren't they? That's right. So, um, prediction? I have no idea. I, I really don't. I know I've said that a few times this season, but I've got legitimately not a clue what's going to happen this game. I don't have any sense of it. I think our form's been really good. Their form's been kind of shaky-ish, but really not that bad when you drill into it. So any prediction I'm saying, this is just nonsense. I'm just saying numbers. I'm going to say 2-1 to United because I'd like it to be. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go for a scoring draw. 2-0. Two all. Two all. Okay. That'd be lovely. So you, you said on the uh, ESPN show that you were on that one thing you were pretty confident about was that it was going to be a good game. Do you, do you still why, feel why that not? way? Why not? I mean, mm-hmm. two, two managers who want to go for it. Yeah. And two good we teams. We know exactly what it would have been like uh, had Ollie not been in charge. <laughs> Beautifully put, because we've now got that's that means we've got through the entire show without mentioning Jose Mourinho. Oh, oh, oh you so had close. to go and ruin it just didn't you? at the finish line. Right, you, you're gonna have <laughs> him in <laughs> Mary Kill now. <laughs> oh God damn it, he's the one I picked to snog. Oh, we did mention him. There you go. That's all right. Well, there's another game after this one. And... No, there isn't. No, there isn't. Oh, no, there is. Well, there is another game. Yeah. <laughs> unless, unless you know an asteroid strike is coming. There definitely will be another game, but we're not going to talk about it because we are recording after the Liverpool game and uh, in which we will talk about that Liverpool game and look forward to the game against Crystal Palace next week. Yeah. Um, brilliant. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll be back uh, hopefully quite early in the week next week. We shall be.